I had some cash in my pocket. I went straight to the place I shouldn't have been going to celebrate. And what you think happened? Sitting on the step about to roll me a primo joint and the police lights lit up. I literally just paid for my first semester of college class at Sierra. And I'm pleading with the officer. Sir, I know I shouldn't have been doing this. And he said, son, I am so sorry. And I do understand. But look what y'all are doing to my neighborhood. You should have thought about that a long time ago. And I'm going to have to bring you to jail. My dreams were destroyed. I mean, I'm playing the good side and wanting to be with the Mardi Gras Indians and play music in the church. But I'm straddled the fence. It always goes towards the negative pole. I don't care how far you go. If you don't have the intentions directed to do what's right and go in the direction of where you want to go and you straddle, you might as well go all the way to the dark pole. Because at that point, to be brutally honest with you, I would have been better off. It would have been more in my favor to just go full-fledged drug dealer. Last time on Finding Life's Rhythm, Walter Harris found belonging in New Orleans with both Mardi Gras Indians and the street culture of the late 80s. At 18, he was just about to join another group as well, college life. He had just paid for his first semester's tuition, but he would wind up in jail instead. I went to jail with my schedule and the receipt for the payment of my first semester. Today on Finding Life's Rhythm, a podcast about the life of drummer Walter Harris, we uncover how Walter used that time away to begin his path to becoming a fully aware thinker, instead of drifting along unconsciously finding groups to belong to. I'm Sierra Thompson, and this is episode two, Embracing Confinement. I wasn't into drugs in high school. I wasn't involved in Mardi Gras Indians. I've never even been arrested before. My father and grandparents are from Louisiana, if that counts as a connection. But what I do have in common with Walter is what we all have, especially when we're in our late teens or for me, my early 20s. Searching for who we are and the struggle to find it. I was a quiet student in high school and constantly trying to keep my head down and get my work done. I was searching for my voice for the longest time. I didn't know why I wanted to go to college, just that I had to. I was on what felt like the right path, but wasn't yet my path. In college, I was able to embrace my true love of writing and storytelling through a newfound passion for television production, which is what I majored in. I explored the parts of myself that made me different, whether that be being a black gay woman at a primarily white institution or coming out to my parents and finding my community at school. For Walter, he didn't get that college life. 
But prison serves the same purpose. I really try not to think about prison. I try not to embrace the thought very much. I just use the lessons that I learned from there. And I have to be honest with you. I had a lot of great times in prison. And it may sound kind of paradoxical, but in prison there was a degree of comfortability that I found. It's a remarkable resource as humans that we have when you come to realize that you can adjust to whatever circumstances that may befall you, even confinement. And Walter became comfortable in prison. He embraced his confinement. He had time to read and truly take in the messages that were being sent to him. Despite this, he wasn't ready to receive every message. Not yet, anyway. Not having much of an outlet in jail made it just as difficult to do your time. In prison, I was able to read. I was able to pump iron, go jogging. I was even part of the prison band. But in jail, basically, you know, here in the city, that's the first process before going to prison. And you're only allowed to have a Bible. The Bible to me then was like reading propaganda because I really didn't understand what they were talking about. Not the way I understand now. Instead of consoling me, like being at church with so much uplifting spirituality and community, reading the Bible at this moment in my life actually made me question Christianity for the first time. And I became very sore. Dealing with these exoteric issues of the Bible. Once getting to prison, I was kind of all over the place. It just wasn't making any sense. For some, religion serves as a building block for morality and community. For others, it is a poster sign for hate and tension. I immediately connected with Walter's lack of engagement with the text as I always had a hard time grappling with the hypocrisy of some religious beliefs. Eventually, Walter would come to have a better relationship with the Bible. But growing up and in prison, like he said, it wasn't making sense to either of us. In later conversations, Walt and I discussed the importance of how we read the Bible and the ways many pastors are unknowingly misguided into preaching the wrong information. We'll get more into Walter's evolution with the Bible in a later episode as he continues to experience friction with religion throughout his entire life. I had a moment in my life when I was really upset with that Bible and the people who explained it to me. I felt so far from the former self that took so much pride and joy in going to church and playing the drums in church. To some extent, blindly following the preachers and what they were preaching. And this is what led me to Islam. Not realizing that this was part of my journey. But through Islam, which I could only have passed through from my Christian upbringing, I met a true community of brothers. Then at once, I realized that all of these religions are really the same. I gained the understanding that the people that taught me meant well, but they really didn't understand what they were teaching. I found that in Islam, a different interpretation of the same stories could empower me to think for myself. Islam really helped me to develop a discipline and understanding of what we are up against as humans. 
and how to handle this life much better. I now understand that the imam, preacher, or rabbi is a teacher, not a master. We all are ultimately on the journey to lead, not to be dominating as much as the organized religion directs their officials towards. My imam in prison was aptly named Frederick Douglass. He was a native of California, but ended up in the Washington Correctional Facility in Louisiana with a 25-year sentence. He had already been in 15 years when I met him and truly was a model leader for myself and many other guys as well. Most of these guys that joined Brother Douglas were very intelligent and smart guys that understood what I was going through. And because they really understood the Quran, they were able to turn me in another direction to help me better myself. Douglas. His Muslim name was Jihad, but they called him Dungeon Master because he was able to sustain 15 years in solitary confinement in what they call a hole, which is actually a very, very small cell. And you're in there for 23 hours a day. One hour out on a yard. I'd done a couple of weeks in the hole and it was beyond challenging. In fact, it was like torture. In fact, I knew a few guys that lost their minds in solitary confinement. However, the 15 years Douglas was in confinement, he turned to his physical fitness. These training workouts that this guy prescribed for himself, he became very, very buff. And so when he came back to population, he was overly qualified to become a trainer. In fact, he became my personal trainer. He also studied this Quran daily. You could tell because his common demeanor um, gave him the privilege of being the, the leader of the Muslim community there at WCI. And I learned a lot from this guy. For someone who had been seeking belonging like Walter had, and for someone who had been so confused by the teachings of the Bible and of Christianity, I can see why Walter found Islam and this teacher so appealing. Instead of the fire and brimstone of the ministers back home, the dungeon master was cool and collected. Instead of the Bible, which was taught to him as fact, when the stories weren't making any sense, Walter had someone to explain the concepts and the tenets from the Quran. He had found another community, but this was all part of his evolution as a person. He wasn't the Walter Harris that he is today. In fact, like everyone else in prison, he was pretty much anonymous. One thing I remember from prison that was quite interesting, and that was that no one really knew anyone's name because we all were recognized by number. Even though it's been 25 years that I've been home, I still unconsciously remember that number. 288945. Even if you don't want to remember it, it's engraved in your conscious. That also was a big lesson from my prison sentence. How something could be engraved in your life, whether it was a number or a pattern of behavior. Turning these traumas or inescapable habits into lessons, which is a Napoleon Hill concept, 
he speaks of finding the seed of equivalent benefit is within each human's control. A lot of my peers in the system never could see the engraving because they identified their own beings with what happened to them. They couldn't see through the veil of these experiences to their own pure consciousness. By punching through obscurity, Walter was open to new ways of thinking. And whether it's Christianity, Islam, or other teachings, Walter was starting to find his own personal spirituality. At the same time as my exploration into Islam with the brothers, I began to see new dimensions of my own life. I was in the prison library and I came across this really thin book, really easy read. And it was by an author named James Allen. As a man thinking, and I literally devoured this book about four or five times and had to get one of my inmate lawyer buddies to run me off some photocopies. But what I learned from this book is that as you think, so shall you be. It taught me the gift of self-analyzation, how I can go back through my thoughts and connect them to those situations in my life. And it taught me how my life became out of control due to the thoughts that I was holding. What I love about the whole philosophy is once you learn it, you can go back through your life and retrain your thinking capacity. When you're able to conceive that, we understand that what happens is a result of our own thinking. The fundamental awareness is that nothing happens by mistake. honest with yourself and remember what you were thinking about, what your thoughts were, what motivated you in that moment, then you will realize that you manifest the reality that you create in your life. It's no matter of the things happening to you. It's a matter of manifesting the thoughts that you are having and reality catching up with the imagination even in the wrong way. Nothing happens by mistake. Things don't just happen. It's just a combination of energies that bring about circumstances. People don't go to jail by accident. I felt I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. I realized those situations I had experienced, I created wanting to be a hustler. That first time I was busted, I was supposed to be going to choir rehearsal, but I decided I wanted to go run on the street and make a few dollars. Selling to an undercover cop. Most people look at that as bad luck. Nah. It was the manifestation of the reality that I was on some level desiring. Somebody got a soul, soul, soul. Somebody got a soul, soul, soul. So Walter was evolving spiritually and as a thinker. And he was starting to form the thoughts, ideas, and vibrations and dreams that would lead him on the path to who he is and where he is today. 
At some point, we all have to graduate and leave the confinement where we can grow. For Walter, that meant leaving the place where he started to figure out who he was. Coming up on Finding Life's Rhythm, Walter Harris visualizes the path that would eventually take him to become the drummer in the most iconic jazz band in the world. Thanks for listening to the second episode of Finding Life's Rhythm, a podcast about the musician Walter Harris. Be sure to subscribe to this show on Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified when the next episode comes out next week. This episode is written and produced by Jason Gillikin, Greg Lucas, and me, Sierra Thompson, for EarFluence. Music for this episode is from Walter Harris. For more on Preservation Hall, be sure to visit preservationhalljazzband.com. I'm Sierra Thompson, and we'll see you next time on Finding Life's Rhythm.